1: Right, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I am your host, Cameron I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It's July, we've got Summer League, we've got trade rumors, we've got roster construction, and to break it all down, we've got Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald. Mark, how are you?
2: Great, guys. How are you?
1: Can't complain. The NBA calendar truly never stops. Uh, yeah.
2: Now we might have an in-season tournament to deal with, too.
1: Yeah, actually, right off the top, Mark, you've been covering this game longer than we have. What do you think of the season tournament? I think it's
2: interesting. I mean, if they, you know, they'll, they'll shorten the regular season to accommodate it. Um, Mm -hmm. But sort of, I think the closest thing you can find to it is what happens over in Europe in soccer. And it's certainly, it's certainly very popular over there. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the players association is going to be particularly thrilled about it, you know, unless you make it worth their while as as is normal, but. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would like looking ahead at the season, for example, the Pistons and the Thunder, there's some young teams that I'm pretty interested in, but won't obviously go the distance. So finding ways for them to like really showcase what they can do rather than be coerced into tanking is interesting. Um, I guess
0: my question is how do you incentivize the players outside of financial incentives cuz if that's the only thing then I'm a little concerned that the players are going to be like actually motivated to like really try hard in this we'll see
2: Yeah I think what you're going to see is the good teams that have older players those players are going to be incentivized to maybe get a little downtime Mm. Um, yeah so are you going to immediately make it punitive and uh you know penalize teams that don't put their full rosters out there
1: i don't know maybe it's like a an under 25 thing or like a three-on-three three thing okay but well, I, I don't know um, i like that yeah all right maybe it, uh, another podcast uh, episode is in store mark you're you're here to talk uh, about a few other things so first yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk about rumbles around the league um and press conferences in Boston, we'll do an ad break, and then we're going to talk about the summer Celtics. So we got to start with Donovan Mitchell because we're recording this Thursday morning. And last night, yesterday evening, we received word that the Donovan Mitchell uh, smoke has might have a real fire to it. And the New York Knicks are firmly in the mix. The Miami Heat are, as always, firmly in the mix. Mark, what are your thoughts on what Danny Ainge might be up to and how impactful a Donovan Mitchell trade could really be?
2: I'm not sure he foresaw this situation coming when he traded Gobert. Um, You know, all of a sudden, this is looking like a rebuild in Utah if they make a trade. I mean, what are you going to be able to bring back for him of equal value? Um, If the Knicks are willing to trade Barrett, maybe. uh, Mm Maybe. Although I thought the Knicks were pretty settled in on Barrett being a part of their future, Uh, especially, you know, especially with the way they are now constructed after the moves they made. Uh, Yeah, I, I think Donovan Mitchell's value has gone down a little bit, just, you know, he wasn't able to get it done with Gobert. Um, There was some tension there between the two. That's well chronicled. He's not a particularly good defensive player. Uh, You know, he's, he's, you'd like to see a guy with a little more dimension than that. I'm, I'm not sure that he's a guy who can carry your franchise. I mean, you know, you, if you're able to bring him in and play him next to Jimmy Butler and bam, then, you know, you've got something, but I don't see how the Knicks get better by trading for them, depending on what they're going to give up. They have a lot of draft picks.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's what I think is going to happen, is they're probably going to send out at least four draft picks. Uh, they have a bunch of other people. They have some from Milwaukee, Washington, Dallas from previous moves. And I think that if they do – not move some of the, the pieces that the Knicks would like to move. then the Knicks are going to have to pay a really severe premium. Like if Evan Fournier is going to be in this, then expect two first round picks going back the other way. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see if we actually see a similar halt to what we saw with Gobert just because of the barrel that the Knicks would be over if they really want this guy.
0: But if there's one thing that we know about Danny Ainge, it's that when he is at the point of no return with a roster, he tends to blow the whole thing up. He doesn't mess around. So I would expect that the Knicks offer of lots of first round picks, maybe a handful of their young players is probably a little more appealing to a GM like Danny Ainge than Miami's offer, which would presumably be Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, some smattering of picks like that. That's not going to, that will get the Utah Jazz to a middling team status, which is not, I would imagine what they'd be looking for if they're trading Donovan Mitchell. If they're trading Mitchell, they're getting picks, they're getting young players that can be flipped for value later, and they are going straight to the basement to try and get someone like Victor Wambanyama or Scoop Henderson in this next draft.
2: Yeah, I think the Victor sweepstakes are incentivizing a lot of teams Um, and, that certainly looks like where Ange should be headed, and you're right. I mean, you know, we've seen it here with his long-term plan here, which actually you have is just now starting to bear fruit,
1: but it's mm-hmm. – um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> um, I talked to a, a unnamed jazz coach, and he uh, point-blank told me he really didn't like those jazz jerseys, so we might see <laughs> – a bad basketball team playing bad basketball jerseys trying to get the French kid. Um, it occurs to me, I haven't seen this reported, but if Donovan Mitchell is really interested in playing in New York, obviously Madison Square Garden is tops, but uh, it looks like the Nets are poised to make a trade, and I'm curious if there's something growing in a big, big blockbuster, um, because obviously we know that Kevin Durant is agitating to be on the move. I'm not saying he's going to end up in Salt Lake City, but he might end up. Um, in the Bay, he might end up in Miami. Mark, what are your impressions on the Kem Durant saga? And if you have a guess, where might he be playing next season?
2: Uh, I think he's going to start the season as a net, but you know, there, there was a report out of the Bay Area that Steph Curry hasn't turns on thumbs down on the possibility. I mean, I think, I think golden state might remain the most likely location for him. I just don't think there's what the nets want for him and why wouldn't they want the bag for him, but mm-hmm. not a lot of teams can do that right now.
1: Yeah. That, again, that's why I wonder if there's just between the Lakers and the jazz and all these other teams, maybe there's just one big trade to be made, because I think it's going to be um, the sun is worth more than its parts, because all of these are interesting trade trips trade chips, but maybe not the one. Um, yes, what's w- what's to say that.
2: Actually, I, I still I've, I see the most likely thing being that Sean Mark says the hell with all you guys we have a team here, we're going to go in and we're going to, and we have a chance to be the best team in the conference. I mean, you know, it depends on what they're seeing out of Ben Simmons when they see him work out, but that's why not go forward with that.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious, we haven't really talked about Steve Nash at all. Like we, the collective we this summer, Um, if there's a vote of confidence there or if
3: not so much, (laughs) Uh, I, 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 I forget which one of the young guys uh, was mentioned in, in the article uh, fairly recently, but he was like rolling his eyes at uh, the mention of um, Nash's coaching. And when like the rookies or nearly rookies, Cam Thomas, I think it might have been, uh, when, when guys of that stature are, are already out and you know the stars are out, then uh, right. I have to assume that if Steve Nash is coaching someplace next season, it's probably not going to be with the Brooklyn Nets.
0: Mm. For whatever it's worth, sorry, uh, just to jump in really quick, for whatever it's worth, Jerry West of the Los Angeles Clippers seems to think that you cannot get anywhere close to equal value for Kevin Durant, Just which is, I imagine, um, lending some credibility to the theory that Sean Marks, uh, to your point, Mark, that Sean Marks is probably better sitting and waiting for this to develop, if anything, than taking an offer now that he doesn't like.
2: I think... Uh... And then Kyrie obviously considers himself part of management. So, (laughs) you know, it'll it'll be some kind of figurehead type who basically Kyrie and Durant can run the classroom. I think that's that's a real possibility. I don't know who that guy is, but who would be willing to step into that situation? But if we had to hold on to Kyrie.
3: I I forgot where I read it, but I've actually, someone was reporting fairly recently that Josiah would rather uh, stretch and wave Kyrie at this point. I think that's probably hyperbole, but I think that's going to be one of the more interesting subplots as well.
1: Mm. Maybe he'll end up in Salt Lake, who knows? Um, Let's let's, um, double back on this. So the other day at an introductory press conference for Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari, President of Basketball Operations, Brad Stevens did hint that roster changes were to come. So we will double back on offseason moves, Celtics and otherwise, in a little bit. But let's talk about what has actually happened. Uh, Mark, I want to get your initial impressions on Gallinari, who signed a two-year $13 million deal with a player option, and Malcolm Brogdon, who is excited to play 6 man, but has uh, some questionable health history, if we're being perfectly honest. So... Uh, take it in order, Mark, your impressions on Gallinari and your impression on Brogdon.
2: Uh, Gallinari, who also has a health history, is um, I think he's perfect in that role. He seems to realize and he he actually said this, that he learned to sort of swallow his pride a little bit and come off the bench in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So he seems to have conquered that challenge with, without any issue. And I mean, he's you guys have seen him shoot. You've seen what he can do out of the perimeter. Um, can't tell you how many times I've seen him throw a behind-the-back pass out of the corner to a cutter. I mean, he's he's got real, real skill, uh, sure. and they do want more ball handling. But he And he's a terrific three-point shooter. I, I think he's a perfect fit. I think the way they are defensively, you can hide a guy like that. If nothing else he's going to bring length on people on the perimeter i i don't know about this idea that he's going to be able to play the five i just you know i know some people have talked about that but and brogdon take a look at that backcourt depth i mean peyton pritchard is your fifth guard um you know derek derek white's not getting talked about a lot but i mean he He just really deepens that backcourt, and if Brogdon gets hurt, you know, Achilles' issues are not easy. Um, They have the depth in their backcourt now to handle it. Maybe maybe Emi won't be so inclined to play guys 38
0: minutes a game.
1: (laughs) Alex and Justin, um, anything that Mark missed just at a glance for Gallo or Brogdon?
0: I think Mark not basically got it. Um, the only thing that I would add is that Brogdon's initial press conferences and interviews with Woj suggest that he is ready to come in and play the six-man role, that he is not expecting to uh, push the starting lineup, which some people were initially talking about a possibility that he would start over uh, Al Horford or Marcus Smart, something like that. Um, That does not appear to be the case. Marcus Smart and Al Horford will both be back in the starting lineup. I have seen some stuff that suggests that the Celtics will plan to rest Horford on some back-to-backs this year, which I think makes a lot of sense. So you could see a world in which either Brogdon or Gallinari ends up in the starting lineup kind of uh, just by function of who they're going to be able to play that night. But to your point, Mark, about kind of... Ime having potentially more options to play the starters, a less, uh, not as much of a heavy load in the regular season. I do think that the front office has noticed that with the acquisitions of Brogdon and Gallinari. And I think they are intentionally trying to create a roster that has more options to do that, there's definitely still some questions around, I I agree there's some questions around Gallinari as a backup five, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later, but I do think for the most part, that's been the plan for these guys and barring any other major acquisitions, which at this point seems unlikely, that that's kind of the thought behind those moves.
1: I find it pretty amazing that, you know, the Celtics had a, a nice run of luck vis-a-vis injuries that I I don't think you can knock them too much but a lot of their opponents uh in the playoff run you know had injury issues and the Celtics had plenty of theirs but maybe not so much and they just insulated themselves against injury so flipping well um Justin you wrote about this that both Gallo and uh Brogdon have ties to Boston can you tell us a little more about that
3: yeah, sure. They're not really like super deep ties. They're more like ties that we have as fans. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: In the case of Gallinari, uh, both he and his dad, who was also a pro player over in Europe, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, were both fans growing up. You've can, you probably by now have seen the photo of him in the Celtics track suit. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually got from an executive who was previously with the Pacers and working with Larry Bird out there uh, in New York, he actually got a CD of Larry Bird's uh, game that he was asked to emulate by management when he first became a rookie for the New York Knicks when he arrived in the NBA. And then on the other side, uh, for Brogdon, his great grand not great grandfather, his grandfather uh, was a civil rights activist uh, that probably sparked the interest in Russell. Though I may be getting ahead of myself there, that's my assumption. Oh, his
1: his great grandfather and his grandfather oh, really? um, were civil rights activists. His great grandfather. Okay. Was the head of a chapter of the NAACP, um, or as my students call it, the the NAACP. And his grandfather also worked, he organized sit ins um, in the 50s and 60s. So, yeah, Brogdon comes from a really important cloth of people. Um, And actually, Mark, I want to ask you about that. So now we got Brogdon and Brown, they're both vice presidents to the executive committee of the NBPA, and Grant is a vice president of the NBPA. Um, This is a a really connected group of Celtics vis-a-vis the league and society writ large. Um, Can you talk a little bit about just like how the Celtics have been important in the culture and in the league and what this chapter looks like compared to chapters in the past?
2: I know I'm kind of Uh, putting you
1: on blast here.
2: They're probably going to be the most politically active chapter in the league because, you know, Jalen. I think is on his way to becoming president of the players association at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Brogdon, Milwaukee, if you recall, was the first team to threaten to walk out in the bubble. Brogdon was the spokesman for Milwaukee at that, at that stage. Um, When Jalen organized his March in Atlanta, following the George Floyd killing, um, Brogdon went down and joined the march so they're they're actually already well um well connected that way they're good friends uh and grant well everybody know you know grant's never seen a soapbox he doesn't like so <laughs> it, it's uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna be very impactful um you know jalen's already on the executive committee uh yeah And Boston is a great platform for that.
1: Yeah. And going back to Bill Russell and Red Auerbach, there's strong Celtics history there. So um, certainly we're proud on this side of the podcast. Um, All right, let's, uh, we'll pause the action for an ad break. And then we will hop into the lab portion of our programming to talk about summer league and maybe some moves to come for the summer
2: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Roster. But first, let's talk about our friends over at betonline.ag, the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find the latest odds, news, sports developments, including the scorching hot MLB season, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get that bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald. We got three Las Vegas Summer League games, and we got one this afternoon um, that people can watch. Uh, before they listen to this, Celtics lost to Miami, to Miami. But uh, Cabangale, I hope I'm saying that right, and Davison and Matt Ryan looked pretty good. Um, we here at the Celtics Club Podcast are very intrigued by Trevion Williams and uh, Begarin, who also looked pretty good. Hauser, not so much. We'll get back to that. Um, then we had a Matt Ryan game winner against Milwaukee. Uh, Cabangale. again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, looked good again. Hauser continued to struggle. Uh, and then a wire-to-wire win against the Summer Warriors, a pretty good Summer Warriors team, I will add. Um, my guy, Kevin Gale, uh 20 and 13. Justin Jackson looked pretty good, but he is old for Vegas. Um, so, uh, Mr. Murphy, whether it's the the bigs, whether it's Sam Hauser, whether it's Justin Jackson, what's been intriguing you from the Summer Celtics so far?
2: I think definitely, and I'm not sure how to pronounce his name either, but Kevin Gale, Uh I'm not sure what his average is, but he's getting like five offensive boards a game. Mm-hmm. And it's not just getting the rebounds. He's drawing fouls after getting position. Uh, he looked terrific head to head against Wiseman the other night. I And considering that the Celtics are looking for another big and that they've been talking up Luke Cornett, I could see him getting that other big man spot. Um And the whole deal is you need a Rob Williams insurance policy. So maybe they need to go for somebody, someone who's more experienced, but just on the surface, I I mean, he's even shown he can hit from downtown. So I I think Kevin Gelly is a promising prospect that you probably don't want to let get away. Uh, Matt Ryan is a terrific story. Uh, He can shoot. He's had a better summer than hauser but they've already sort of made an investment in hauser so i'm not sure how right. that's gonna work uh, and don't forget broderick thomas mm-hmm. i mean he's especially the last game he's he's looked terrific he's uh you know but he he's one of those guys who's going to get caught in between the the g league and the nba unfortunately
1: yeah Justin, uh, what about you? What is catching your eye out of Vegas? I
2: have to agree
3: with Kevin Jedi or Gede. I've heard both. I'm not really sure which it is. I, I, at some point, hopefully, if he catches on, uh, then we will get that right. But uh, for now, please forgive us. Um, I think that he, he is a little bit too unskilled. He turns the ball over fairly often, uh, particularly for a big man. And he fouls a lot, but it's summer league, you know, it's really hard to see like how his game would translate by watching summer league compared to the NBA, but at least the effort level is there and the athleticism is there. The size is there. Um, I do tend to agree that maybe there's a chance that uh, he ends up getting brought on as that third big, uh, the the cornet thing kind of makes it similar in the same way that Hauser makes it difficult for Ryan, but maybe, maybe what they could do in this case, uh, this is another guy who stood out for me, which would be J.D. Davison. He is way more skilled at passing the ball than I anticipated. Uh, he cannot finish to save his damn life. But I mean, <laughs> he's 19 years old. He's a ball of wired energy. Uh, I think that with some experience, he'll get that. I don't think that he will be playing with the parent club too much if he stays in the two-way role. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, particularly if it confers any kind of assignment advantage that they bump him up to a regular deal, and then maybe use the two-ways on uh, those those two those two bigs, Williams, Trevian Williams, and Cabangele, just to kind of like test it and see how they, they react. Um, not real sure that Broderick Thomas is going to make it. He seems to be kind of like a lesser version of Aaron Neesmith in that he was shooting like 40-something percent, like 46 or 43 percent in the G League last season. But he, he cannot even crack like 300, 300 uh, percent, 30 percent uh, in in the, the NBA. So I just, at this point, at his age, I think that he's going to end up, you know, maybe making somebody else's deep rotation a two-way spot. But I don't see him coming back to Boston.
1: Uh, Alex, I'll go to you in a second, but just as a point of clarity for people who missed it, JD Davison inked a two-way contract, um, but he said, and reporting has confirmed, that he is in the mix for a full-on Celtics contract, so that is something to certainly monitor, among other things here. Um, Alex, anything from the summer Celtics that you're enjoying or intrigued by?
0: I mean, Cavangeli has definitely been the story of the Summer League Celtics. And at this point, I think based on everything that we've seen, he's too good to let get away. So I am inclined to give him a roster spot, regardless of the slight log jam at Biggs with Grant Williams and Luke Cornett, obviously both signed and I imagine expecting to play. Um, Cavangele is a guy that you just you can't afford to let walk, especially given that you've seen Teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Miami Heat get so much success bringing in Summer League guys and G League guys into their rotation and then having them become key parts of their rotation. If there's one area that the Celtics, uh, both in Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens eras, have kind of struggled with, it's capitalizing on Summer League and G League prospects and bringing them into the rotation in a meaningful way. And Cabin Jelly, I think, offers a real chance for them to do that. So they should sign him. Um, Frankly, I think after one more summer league game, I would not be surprised if they attempt to sign him and then just kind of sit him for the rest of summer league. We'll see. Um, Matt Ryan is tricky because he has been shooting really well. His defense leaves a lot to be desired. And frankly, he, but frankly, he has been outplaying Sam Hauser for these past few games on a pretty substantive margin. Obviously he missed Uh, the game against Golden State, but in the first two games, he was playing better than Hauser for sure. Um, That presents a little bit of a complication because Sam Hauser has obviously been signed to a three-year long-term deal. Uh, It's at the minimum salary, so it's not like it's a massive financial commitment, but it is a commitment and it's a roster spot commitment. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a world where Matt Ryan winds up in one of those two-way spots along with the potential Trevion Williams. Um, I think Davison and Bigarin have shown things in flashes. I wouldn't be super shocked if Davison, for example, needs a year in Maine. Um, that strikes me as highly plausible. Bigarin, I think, um, needs to show a little bit more to earn consideration for a roster spot. Um, he's got some physical tools that are definitely worth developing but his sense for the game and his feel isn't quite developed enough to make an impact on NBA level rotation. Justin Jackson, I think we should talk about also looked pretty good in that game against Golden State. Now, obviously he has been in the league for some time now. um, So I imagine it's probably not worth giving him a roster spot just because of the possible upside that a guy like Kevin Jellet or Trevion Williams or Matt Ryan might bring, whereas Jackson is kind of a known quantity that frankly should be playing well in summer league um but nonetheless he was playing pretty well the other night and i think you know he gives the summer league celtics a shot at some hardware maybe we'll see but um that's that's really about it the main takeaway is that kevin jelly is good enough to the point where he probably shouldn't be in summer league anymore and probably needs a full-time roster spot
1: nice segue so mark Uh, I'm going to use what Alex just said as a launch pad. Let's keep in mind that we are talking about the team that just went to the finals. um, And it's been three games in Vegas, but from the summer Celtics, who would you give a full-time roster spot to? And I will give you the option of saying I'm unimpressed. I'd like to leave that roster spot open. So Mark, what would you do with an open roster spot?
2: I would give it to Kevin Gelly. He was one of the best bigs in the G league, if not the best big in the G league last year. Uh, he's shown a lot of growth since he was with the Clippers Um, and this isn't a summer league team question but in terms of front court depth and giving Horford a little more of a rest I think you're going to see an increase in Grant Williams role especially you know Especially at times as a starting four, I think if you have to sit out in back-to-back games, as Justin was talking about, I think you know Grant is the obvious choice there. They like the way he's grown. He he disappeared during the finals, but so did everybody else. Uh, <laughs> it, and I think that's one way they're going to fill it. But and I think you know. They, it was sort of predictable, but both Ime and Brad brought it up, you know, Luke Cornett, I think they feel he can be a third center if need be. You know, maybe you maybe you start Kevin Yelly in the D League and just see how he progresses. But I think I think that's where they're gonna go. The other thing Ime brought up the other night was the need for a wing. They could mm-hmm. still use another wing. Justin Jackson would certainly fill that, you know. And an then to the bench shooter, he he um, certainly shot it well the other night, or actually the last two games, um, you know. And Brad has all, you know. I'm amazed that we haven't discussed the TPEs yet, but it's uh, Brad does have this toy chest of TPEs he can dig into. One of them is about to be done in what, four days, the big one. But um, yeah, if they have, you know, that's one thing. That's one thing you can pretty easily swing, I think, is a trade for a late rotation guy, including a late rotation big.
1: All right, well, that's another fantastic segue. Thank you, team. Okay, so Mm -hmm, today's July 14th. The $17.1 million Evan Fournier TPE expires on the 18th. Does that sound right? The 18th, yeah. The 18th. So this has a short shelf life, but according to our buddy, Jared Weiss, the Celtics may indeed still be looking at using that TPE. Um, Mark, do you agree with that reporting? Uh, Do you have any names uh, or... Uh, candidates for filling that that $17 million hole?
2: Um, there aren't any. The one that they were, you know, when they, you know, they've discussed the Brogdon deal as being a substitute TPE deal. They couldn't, Brogdon obviously makes more than the 17.1, which is why they right. couldn't fill it in. And I think they were a little reluctant to give up the depth they did give up, even if mm-hmm. they were, Red Claws, I refuse to call them the main Celtics, <laughs> um, but I, it's, 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 uh, there, there's a reason that most of these TPEs go unused, it, it's, it's very hard to fit them to a player, I'm not sure they're going to find a target for the 17.1, that's a pretty major deal.
3: I do think, and this was actually addressed, I think, by Weiss in his article um, that you mentioned, there is a pretty good chance that they just use some of it to preserve some of its value while also keeping the other two substantial ones they have on on board. So we could see like maybe something is not in terms of talent, but small in terms of contract of like a Mike Mascala or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the name of the game is... Uh, adding something of value without compromising the ability to add later Um, because, you know, they still have a lot of draft picks in the cupboard, but they have fewer than they once did. Um, So I don't know that they feel the need to do that. Although you never know. And then there's also a litany of other TPEs to be used. Um, Emodoka and Brad Stevens in recent days have hinted as such that roster moves are coming one thing that uh, Celtics should not hold their breath on is the return of Aaron Baines, according to the Globe's Adam Him- Himmelsbeck, and I think it's been confirmed elsewhere. The Celtics kicked the tires on Baines, but um, I don't think that that reunion is going to happen. Mark, are there any bigs out there um, that you think would be meaningful for the Celtics to take a look at? Um, I'll tell you that I've been talking about dark Favors for at least 12 months now.
2: Yeah. Um, a guy who's always been a favorite of mine is Robin Lopez. Mm-hmm. If you just want a banger to come off the bench. And I think guys like that will be available. Um, sure. You know, Muscala's out there, as you mentioned. Uh, it's It shouldn't be a hard slot to fill, especially if you wait. Maybe, yeah, you know, it could be that you're just waiting to see certain teams that, get off to a bad start or something, all of a sudden the rosters become open. I could see Brad just waiting to see how the uh, how the tea leaves go. You know?
1: Yeah, and it's worth remembering, like, the Kyrie Irving trade happened in August. I mean, these things can take time. And I think rookies can't be traded until August 1st or something like that, um, yeah. or the, there's some August deadlines. 30 days upcoming. after signing, I believe. Right. Uh, so things are still in play. Um, so, Mark, I'll get you out of here uh, with a few more quick questions. First, just, I mean, we've kind of circled the drain here, but if the Celtics are going to make an addition, what type of player are you profiling?
2: I think it's a big, I think it's definitely a big, they need the depth. They need the insurance for Rob Williams. Um, you know, he, he, I can't see him playing more than 25, 30 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and he's he's he just has that kind of a body. He kind of breaks down, but yeah, that's where I'm going. It's a big. I, I they certainly don't need another guard after all this. Yeah, that's no. why. I, that's why I don't. I don't think you're going to see much, if anything, of Davidson. I think he's strictly a G League player.
1: Have you taken the trip up to Maine at all? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, especially. Yeah i love that facility great place to watch a
1: game i was gonna say i've heard the fanfare is really nice
2: yeah 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 it's uh it's it's a great take and you know they're they're a fun team to watch i mean what you're seeing in the summer league is basically what you're gonna see this winter Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Uh, maybe we'll have to take this show on the road and do a, a recording from portland I mean, I'm central- literally in Maine right now, guys. Come on. Let's oh. just do this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. right. We'll bring us back a hat or something. <laughs> um. Okay. Mark, two last questions and then uh, we'll bid you an adieu. Uh, number one, what team in the East, if you're the Celtics, are you most worried about moving forward? Uh. I think Milwaukee,
2: Middleton will be back, you know, he would have made a huge difference in that semifinal series. Uh, yeah, I would put Milwaukee at the top of the list. And I think Miami, depending on what they do, and Pat Riley won't do anything stupid, um, you know, Miami will be back too.
1: Okay. And um, last question over, over, under, I don't know what Vegas is giving you, but these are Cameron's odds over, under 16 and a half wins for the Celtics. 16 and a
2: half. Um, I would take the number.
1: I, I just spit out that number, so maybe it was Foster's. I'll, I'll, I'll go 50. for 59. How's that? Okay, we're yeah. going too far off. We'll take 59. We'll take 59 wins. All right, heard it your first. Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald guarantees 59 Celtics wins next season. We can <laughs> aggregate that to your heart's content, everyone. Uh, Mark, thanks very, very much for coming by. And, thanks, um, guys. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Sure, we'll, we'll catch you in the regular season or if not up in Portland. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time.